the U.S. Air Force gamifies training. I'm Tanya Hall, and joining me is Lieutenant Colonel Eric Fram, Chief Product Officer at the U.S. Air Force Air Education and Training Command. Welcome, Eric. Hi, thanks for having me. Absolutely. What is the mission of the Air Education and Training Command? So the Air Education Training Command is the United States Air Force's uh, recruiting, training, and education arm. Uh, so we do everything that we call force development for all 660,000 of our airmen. That includes active duty, um, uh, guard, reserve, and civilian. As the Air Force continually seeks to improve training effectiveness, one, of, one method that actually interests you is, is gamification. Define that term for us and explain how the Air Force is embracing gamification. So gamification is a method that's uh, commonly used throughout the technology industry, uh, but it, in, the, in the training context or in the education context, what it's really about is, uh, is reaching what we call the, the affective center of, uh, of our learners. Uh, so that they are engaged and driven to continue uh, consuming whatever uh, uh, training material we presented to them, uh, and that they are uh, just just driven to continue uh, working hard at learning as fast as they can, uh, because they want to be better. And uh, and it's about aligning the um, the incentives of our training system with uh, their desire to uh, be better at their jobs, uh, to be the best that's out there. Uh, and uh, um, to have fun while doing it. How has the training development role changed to implement gamification? Do you need new development tools? Do developers need new skills? So we certainly need new tools, and, and technology is helping us out quite a, quite a bit here. Uh, but, you know, there are some basic things you can do, uh, you know, simple things like a leaderboard for uh, who uh, had the most uh, uh, attempts at some sort of a lesson or, uh, or who uh, who did the, did something the fastest? Those sorts of kind of very easy, simple things. Uh, but what we find uh, to create kind of an immersive environment, an environment that people just enjoy being a part of while they learn, uh, you really need uh, something that's a little bit more robust than what we can typically produce. So if you think of a, a typical classroom situation, uh, you can have a, a really excellent instructor, a really engaged student who who understands the material. Uh, and in a 50-minute class, we've probably had about all that we can take. It's time for a break. Uh, compare that to your typical uh, teenager uh, playing playing a uh, AAA type uh, game title, uh, where boy, they can't they can't consume enough of it, and they'll stay on it for hours and hours and hours. Um, and and it's not just that they're playing or having fun; it's that they love the game and they love getting better at it. Uh, and typically, you know, those games don't come with some sort of a user manual that walks them through uh, every little piece. In fact, it's a puzzle. That's the point. And so what, what we want to do is, is turn our training systems into that sort of a, a puzzle that people enjoy taking apart and understanding at a really deep level. Uh, so we think that uh, there are a lot, of, a lot of emerging technologies like virtual reality, augmented reality, uh, some commercial game engines that are out there that can be uh, that are open enough to being uh, adapted to uh, being used in a training system uh, that that get us to that place where uh, people just love learning and love learning about their job and, and have a lot of passion for it. We're, we're very fortunate in the Air Force to have people who are very passionate about uh, about uh, national security and and uh, um, contributing to that mission and uh, they love their jobs and this is a way to let them learn their job uh, while just just experiencing it and, and doing it in a controlled safe environment uh, 
that uh, uh, that engages them and, and teaches them at a more intuitive level uh, how to do their job. And so that way, when when they get into a situation that isn't necessarily cut dry and something that you know the book tells them how to do, they can kind of intuit their way through it and, and understand because they they know these first principles at a really deep level. Uh, they understand how to how to operate in in this sort of a um, unconstrained, undefined environment that we sometimes find ourselves in. How has spatial computing enabled you to add flexibility and personalization to individual trainees? So uh, I, the big thing is flexibility and affordability. So, um, you know, as a pilot, uh, somebody who began my career as a pilot, um, you know, we, we were very fortunate that we had simulators and we had the ability to, to use them. And they were something that simulators are something that made flying uh, safe for the American public or for the general public. And uh, um, so they were obviously tremendously effective. The problem is they cost millions of dollars to do to do what we what we consider right traditionally. Um, and so in, in a, uh, a military flight simulator, we'll have a dome around it that uh, contains the visualization system. Uh, and then you'll have a cockpit uh, that you will sit inside of. And that cockpit will oftentimes be made up with actual aircraft avionics. And so now I have to build a computer that is um, generating all those graphics. Uh, I have to continually upgrade those, graphic, those graphics capabilities. And it's usually many different projectors that are pixel matched together. And, uh, and it just starts getting really expensive just for that visual system. And then the, the avionics are, uh, are really expensive because they're very specialized parts and they're real aircraft parts being used. And now I have to have a computer that emulates uh, all the various computer systems of an aircraft to feed these systems what they think are real data. Um, and now I have to have specialized maintainers to maintain those aircraft parts uh, and a, a specialized IT expert to run all these computers in this visualization system. At the end of the day, these simulators uh, cost, cost millions of dollars uh, and they're very, very expensive to keep running. And the result is a, a fantastic simulator. But the problem is that, that now we're running those simulators 20 or 24 hours a day because we have so many people who need to get through them. Uh, and so, you know, back to the gamification and that individualized learning discussion, how excited is anybody to, to, uh, to start a, a training event at two in the morning? Uh, that, that, that does not sound like fun to me. Uh, I've had to do it. It's terrible. Uh, and yet you have to sit there and try to concentrate for hours on end as you're doing this really difficult thing. So where, where we think that spatial computing, you know, this AR, VR uh, um, wave that we think we're, is coming, uh, and in fact, I think the VR wave is here. We just don't necessarily know it yet. Uh, what, what this allows us to do, when you think about that, that dome-based uh, visualization system or that cockpit, uh, the dome just allows me to move my head around and see. Well, that's what a VR headset does. Uh, and do I really need a physical cockpit to reach out there and touch um, when I can make a presentation of that um, using some of these commercially available gaming engines that are, are really flexible and adaptive? And so what we can do is we can take that, that multi-million dollar cost and now we can do it for a few thousand dollars. And if I can do it at a few thousand dollars, now everybody can have a simulator whenever and even wherever they want. Uh, and we think that as technology continues to mature, that whenever, wherever thing will become just easier and easier and easier. And it's going to be something that you can do on your cell phone. Uh, you look at, uh, at, at some of these streaming gaming options that industry is coming out with. I, I think that's the future. Uh, you're going to be able to have very, very high-end uh, simulations, very high-end graphics off of any device. 
um, uh, beamed into any location that you want. Uh, and so what, what I think we're on the cusp of here is not just for pilots, although that's where we started, um, but uh, I, I think any career field you can imagine in or outside the military that requires some kind of repetitive um, a task, but an element of critical decision-making, I think is going to be able to simulate it the same way pilots have been simulating for a few decades now. And I think in the next four or five years, you're going to see that as a possibility. And what this means is uh, these sorts of weird situations that those sorts of uh, career fields will, or, or um, uh, yeah, career fields will get into uh, where nothing is defined and we have to make a decision fairly quickly. Uh, they, people will have seen that situation or situations very like it before because they're able to simulate it cheaply, easily, and whenever they want. What's some of the feedback that you've actually gotten from trainees and what have you learned through the implementation process? So uh, the feedback we've gotten is that they love the freedom. Uh, we have, uh, uh, in many cases, uh, well, in one case in particular, uh, we have we've eliminated the syllabus and we we took it back to uh, just the competencies that we're looking for. So in a syllabus based approach, I can tell you uh, Tuesday of the 15th week of this training syllabus, uh, you're going to be doing this activity, whether you're ready for it or not, you're going to be doing that activity. You need to prove that you can do it at, at a minimum level. And if you can do it at a minimum level, I don't really care how well you do it. Uh, we're going to move on to the next thing. And if you don't do it to the minimum level, well, then, you know, we're going to start we're going to start retraining you and things get pretty negative and, and, you know, you, you need to climb back up on that hill. Um, and what, what we do inadvertently when we do that is we only set enough expectation and enough incentives to do the minimum. Um, what, what we found is by, by saying, no, look, really all I care about is that you can land an airplane safely. Uh, go figure out how you can land an aircraft safely. But I also want you to be able to fly in formation. Um, what we find is people do what's fun, which is formation. Uh, but when they're done with formation, they have to learn how to land. <laughs> and so, and now they're in a simulator where I, you know, I'm not really worried about safety. I'm not worried about um, burning fuel and all the costs associated with that. I'm not worried about the student who has to get into the simulator the next hour. Uh, so they can stay in as long as they want. Uh, they can do whatever they want. Uh, and wouldn't you know it, but uh, uh, when, you, when you let them free, they're doing crazy things like flying formation on their first flight in the actual aircraft or flying uh, flying instrument approaches down and, you know, in the weather on their first flight. These are things that were just, I, when I first heard that we were, that we had instructors doing this, I said, oh, have we really thought about the safety of this? And yeah, we did. It's fine. Um, and, and those are the sorts of things that we're doing. This is stuff that when I went through pilot training, I didn't get to do for three or four months. And these guys are doing it on, on their first flight, roughly four to six weeks in. Uh, so we've, we've just seen that across the board. And the students love it. They're learning faster. Uh, we think this is something that's going to uh, uh, potentially save a lot of money or potential, and or uh, uh, potentially allow us to train to higher levels of competency in the same amount of time. Uh, so we really think it's, it's the best of all worlds. And uh, what's interesting is that this, you know, this uh, $500 or $1,000 little VR headset is what's making it all possible. That software I could, you know, that I played on as a kid. Uh, so it, it's still there. Uh, it's still very useful as a flight simulator and, and you piece these things together and all of a sudden there's this, this wonderful tool that's out there and this whole new way of learning. Uh, so our task right now is to take that, to field it into, uh, the way we train pilots. Um, but then also to expand that out across the rest of the career field. So think about, 
aircraft maintenance people or uh, police officers, firefighters, uh, medics, um, uh, basically any other career field you can imagine. We have somebody in the Air Force doing it. Uh, and there is that element of critical decision making that's there. Uh, and we're going to start uh, simulating that environment and then start joining those environments together and, and making these environments really rich and complex. We think we're going to get a lot of great learning out of it. Lieutenant Colonel Eric Fram, Chief Product Officer at the U.S. Air Force Air Education and Training Command. Thanks for sharing some insight on how you're using spatial computing. If somebody wants to connect with you, maybe they want to find out more about this program. How can they do that? The best place is through a, a website we have uh, through an organization called AFWERX, A-F-W-E-R-X, and their website is afworks.af.mil. Thanks again, Eric. And if you guys want to find more of my interviews, you can do that right here or go to tanyahall.net. Thanks for watching.